Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. On this episode, I interview Stevie Solano. Stevie is a former Air Force aircraft maintenance officer who transitioned from the military back in very early 2018 and launched her career at USAA. And so I love doing these types of episodes and podcasts because I get to hear from officers that I worked with a number of years back who are doing great things in corporate America. And so basically for this conversation, we walked through the past a little bit. I asked her a little bit about her Air Force experience and and her really her career conference experience and why she ultimately chose USAA. And where the conversation ultimately goes to is her ability to navigate her career effectively by bringing value, capitalizing on the things that she's really good at that allowed her to move to areas of the business that really allow her to do more of what she's already good at. And the thing that's interesting is in corporate America, there is a lot of opportunity to do that, to, to chart your own path, as it were, at least to a degree. And so really that's a lot of what we get into, how she did it that way, how you can think about doing that way, if that's this is something that you're interested in or want to learn more about, why she did it, and, um, and ultimately where she's going from there. So it's a great conversation because it really does give military officers a bit of a peek over the fence, as it were, into opportunities or potential opportunities into the future. So thanks for, uh, thanks for being a part of this podcast. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do and how we do it, you can check out a copy of PCS to Corporate America. You can pick up a copy on Amazon. Okay, without further ado, here's my conversation with Stevie. Stevie, thanks so much for joining the call. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thank you for the opportunity to meet with you. I really appreciate it. It's been a few years since last you and I connected, so I'm excited to hear how things have gone. Let's back up, though. Let's go back to when you and I were working together in your transition. Start by just telling us a little bit about your military experience, what you did in the Air Force, and, uh, and maybe how long you were in, things like that. Yes, so I was active duty aircraft maintenance officer in the Air Force. I had uh, spent about seven years active duty after graduating from the Air Force Academy. Um, I've been on a variety of different um, types of aircraft, and it was just a very busy lifestyle. Um, My family was expanding. I just had my second baby at the time, and I kind of realized that it wasn't really sustainable for me to to keep on that active duty track. Um, So I had seen some mailings in the office. Um, At the time, I was stationed in New Mexico at Kirtland, which was actually home for me where I grew up. So I had uh, thought a little bit about getting out and maybe staying in the area, but I wanted to be able to still have a career myself and not kind of settle into the home lifestyle that a lot of my friends in high school had. I still wanted something bigger and something more. So I saw the mailings. I decided to reach out. I had um, a brief interview with Joel on the phone, and that's how I kind of got my foot in the door with Cameron Brooks, and it kind of went from there. Yeah, you. I'm looking at, you know, just your file from when you were in this program, met with Joel on October 25th of 2016. And like you said, the rest is history. How did you decide, you know, like, so like you said, you were 
United States Air Force Academy, four years, seven years in the Air Force. That's 11 years of government, defense, aircraft maintenance is a very specific skill set relative to the whole thing. How did you decide to really pivot from government and defense to corporate America? How did that play out for you? You know, it was it was a difficult decision for first of all. I wasn't sure the skills that I had were transferable. Like you said, aircraft maintenance is very specific. And I didn't know that I wanted to do that for the rest of my life, but I didn't know what I could take those tools and those skills that I've been, you know, training for these last 10, 11 years mm -hmm. to um, put them into use anywhere else. So that's what I was kind of hoping Cameron Brooks could help me with. And spoiler alert, they really did. Right, right. But um, I, I knew I wanted to continue down a path where I could do something impactful, um, have opportunities for leadership. And I wasn't sure what that was going to be for me. So mm -hmm. I really needed some guidance on where I might be a good fit while still having opportunities to grow and advance in a career. Yeah. I, uh, so here we are in uh, um, September of 2021. We've been doing virtual conferences since April of 20. So right when the COVID thing hit, we haven't canceled any conferences. As a matter of fact, we're seeing some, seeing companies really pursue candidates, even in the virtual environment in a significant way. Um, but, you know, you're, you're, pre-COVID in terms of a conference. And so, you know, now, you, now you're the stuff of legends considering like everything is virtual, but hopefully we're praying and keeping our fingers crossed that we do go back to in-person at some point in the not too distant future. But can you tell us maybe the most memorable thing about your in-person conference, January, 2018? What do you remember most? Oh man, well, I was very nervous about it because we had, just found out like a couple days before who I would be interviewing with. And I saw the list and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not qualified for any of these. I don't know what these jobs mean. Um, but when I got to the conference, it was like a crash course back to like college even where we got briefs on everything we were going to be um, learning about. I had a five month old baby with me at the time. So <laughs> I had my mother-in-law and my husband both there to help out, but it really was like a full four days of just go, go, go. But I felt more prepared in those couple days than I feel like I could have done myself. And it was like speed dating a little bit where you go knock on a door, meet some people, and then you're off to the next one. But I just remember how helpful it was to have a support person there. My husband, like giving me my notes in between and kind of quizzing me to make sure that I was ready and prepared for the next one. And having my mother-in-law there with my baby, that was, that was easier too. I don't know if I'd take a baby next time, but uh, it was a lot of information in a short span of time. But I really felt like by the end of that, that I could go into any interview with any company and feel like I could, you know, represent myself in a way that made sense and I could be proud of. 
So you chose USAA, and I want to hear more about why, and then, of course, I want to get into what you're doing and what you started doing and what you're working on. Um, before we do that, and I, you don't have to name the companies, but talk to me a little bit about the different types of interviews you had. And the reason, the reason I'm driving, or the thing I'm driving at, or the reason I'm asking the question is because, um, because again, aircraft maintenance officer, very operational, very on the flight line, very in the hangar oriented. And now here you are doing business analytical work and decision work. Um, certainly overlaps in some ways, but but not overlaps in other ways. So so I'd like to kind of dig into that topic. But before we get there, what other things were you actually considering from the conference? So out of the conference, USAA actually was not my favorite, which hmm. um, that would be if there, if I could tell anybody anything like don't get your heart set on the companies on paper because there were a few things on there that I was like, oh, I love this. And this is going to be a great fit. And I enjoyed the interview. But once I went out on a second interview or talked with them more, I, I realized that might not be the best fit. So for me, there were a few sales type roles that, um, that I was interested in. There was an operations officer, again, kind of similar to the aircraft maintenance role I had been in where I was running operations for um, a travel stop company was one that I really liked. And then also a, a hotel management like over like different franchisees. All of those involved some travel and long kind of not so flexible hours though. So that was kind of something that steered me a little bit more towards USAA where it would be more of like that nine to five schedule, mm -hmm. which was really something that I needed when I was transitioning, trying to focus more on my family. And then when I got to San Antonio and I went on my second interview and I got to walk the halls and meet the people, that really was the, the kind of, decision maker for me like this is a good fit for me for my family I like the values that USAA has it's obviously for a military company that's something that I know that I can believe in and get behind and it just felt right the others didn't necessarily feel wrong but mm -hmm. once I got there and I understood that it was there's going to be some training. People are going to help you get up to speed. It's not so much about the job. It was more about the fit at that point and that I could grow into that and I could learn and there were opportunities to continue down that path. That's really kind of what sealed the deal for me with USA. I think that's the hardest thing. One of the hardest things that I think military officers have to wrestle with before the conference or before they get out, regardless if they partner with camera books or not, before they get out of the military, we have our ideas about the type of company we want, what we want to do, where we want to live, how much money we want to make. And all those are important. There's no doubt about that. Most certainly important. But I think the thing that I see over and over and over again, Stevie, is exactly what you're saying, like ultimately making a decision on your fit, which is impossible or darn near impossible to try to figure out long before the, the interview or even the follow-up interview, or like you said, walking the halls, did you walk the halls in other places too, so to speak? Did you do more than one follow-up interview? I did. I went to um, 
two different headquarters. I went out to uh, New Jersey for Wyndham Hotels and I loved it there, but that wasn't going to be where I would be working. I would be kind of out on my own in the sales environment. And even though something that was really important to me was being like close to family, they were able to put me right where my family is, but with lots of travel involved. And mm. I wasn't going to have that same camaraderie where I could walk the halls. I would right. be out there and, you know, every now and then I'm sure there would be opportunities to go to that headquarters, but it wasn't quite the same. Mm. I also went to Oklahoma City for with Love's Travel Stops. And again, I loved it, but that's not where I would be day to day. So for me... Um, growing up in that military, that aircraft maintenance environment where I loved being out with my people and being able to walk the flight line, that was something I wanted to be able to have. Um, I wanted to be able to go walk the halls, talk to people. It's kind of ironic now that we're in a more virtual environment, but I still am able to feel connected like this now. And at the time, that's really what I what I needed that good fit in my transition in USAA had all of that for me. This is not, I just want to kind of add this into our conversation because, because those that are transitioning now are, are transitioning. And this is, this is slowly returning. And you and I had a little conversation about slowly returning to work or returning to the office. But I think one of the difficulties that we found with JMOs working remotely. Some people think like, oh, remote would be great work. And I think in in some ways it would be fantastic, but being remote after you're established with a ton of relationships is different than being remote when you don't know anyone and you're making this hard pivot and you're, you know, in your home office trying to like ask people to stick around after the Zoom call to, you know, talk to you for five minutes. I I think that's a big change. Can you speak to that just a little bit in your own experience? The fact that you did have such, you know, you were in the office for a, a number of years before kind of going full remote. Right. And I would completely agree. It's, it would be very tough for me personally to be able to feel like a part of the team and really jump in if I was doing that all virtually up front. Yeah. Being there and present and just, you know, shaking people's hands. Well, I know it's it's a little uh in COVID, I don't know how much you're shaking people's hands. <laughs> but being there, looking people in the eye, sitting at meetings, you know, pe- just having those conversations by grabbing lunch together. Those types of things, those like intangibles were really important in relationship building. And for the position that I'm in, I think relationship building was, you know, monumental in my development. Um, Knowing who to ask those types of questions to, knowing where I can get help, but also like knowing where you can provide value to and where you can insert yourself. That went a long way with being physically present for me. And now that I've established those relationships, I think it's been an easier transition to go to more of a virtual model where, hey, I know these people, they've met me. And even turning your camera on for these types of things now, like, oh, hey, good to see your face again. Um, it's, it's made a big difference. I don't know that I could have been as successful if I had started remotely um, as I was because I was there in the office in San Antonio and 
being able to meet all these people and do these things face to face. I think that what we're seeing is one, we're seeing a return to the office, you know, gradually and depending on the companies and et cetera. But for the folks that did have to, you know, sit and do virtual work for, you know, in some cases, you know, a year ish, um, it just takes a lot longer, as you're saying. It's just, it's just something. And I guess the the real point, the takeaway in all of that is, once we do return to whatever the new normal is going to be, which is going to probably look more like the old days than, than you know, April of 2020 or whatever. Um, I still think that you know the desire for remote work can, right from the military, can be, uh, it could just be more challenging. Not impossible for sure, but more challenging. All right, let's keep rolling. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about where you started. You started in a business, according to the conference, or maybe LinkedIn. I can't remember. I got this title: Senior Business Operations Analyst. Tell me what that is, or what did you do? So the initial position was a new one um, in the organization I was going to, and it was largely based on analytics, where we were forging relationships with business partners um, and using data and analytics to help influence or drive business decisions for them. Um, as a business operations analyst, it was a little bit more on the relationship building than on the technical side, but there was definitely a technical aspect to it. Um, and that was one of the things I was a little worried about. I didn't have a background in data and analytics, but what I came to realize was that my skills as an aircraft maintenance officer were actually highly transferable where I could, I can know enough about a technical concept to speak knowledgeably about it. No one was going to trust me to turn a wrench, but I could do, I could explain what was happening and say why it was important to the overall process to our business partners. Same thing. I could talk about, the types of analytics that we could provide or some results of some recent analysis and how that could drive their business decisions and providing that linkage for our partners. So being able to speak knowledgeably and communicate, you know, openly, I think that was a really big, like soft skill, if you will, that transferred very well. But this was not a sales role. You were doing external account would, would, you, would it be fair to say account management? So someone someone in your organization sold the service, I'm guessing, you fill, fill in the blank, sold the service and then you came in behind them and maintained the relationship and furthered the, the partnership or how did that work? So it's actually internal. So we have internal business partners um, currently. So we are partnered with operational uh, management within the contact center. So we're basically like an analysis team that is partnered with an operational team and we're helping um, find trends or uncover issues with our access to analysis. So a lot of what I do though, is help with the project management side of it. I found more of like a niche for myself in, hey, I'm really good at managing projects. <laughs> I And I have some teammates who are really great at coding that aren't as great at communicating. So I found a niche for myself in being able to communicate the work they're doing, help organize, um, prioritize, and then communicate that to our business customers, which are the operational teams, and 
help them, you know, use that information in a way that's going to make or drive a business decision to get the desired effect in the contact center. So how do you, and I'm, I'm really trying to listen to your experience as if I was a JMO, really don't have a lot of outside experience in the military. So how do you measure, how are you measured or how is your organization measured? How do you know you're doing a good job? So we have a goal setting um, every quarter where we put in things that we work with our leadership to say, like, these are the things that I want to work on. These are the um, items. And of course, a goal measurable, you know, specific, we work together to write those goals that are aligned with our organization and our organizational goals. Mm -hmm. So for me specifically, um, having like on time delivery of our requests, I have a 95% goal of on time delivery and prioritization from our uh, business partners. I manage a queue of work that comes through I get with our business partners, I prioritize them, I write them into stories, I input them into our system. Getting everything in and out on time is something that I measured on. Um, also, I am measured on the deliverables that I, I send out. So for example, I take on a lot of extra type projects, kind of like an EXO might do where, my boss says, hey, I need something. I've kind of um, made myself a jack of all trades and like, oh, I can do that for you. So getting on time deliverables, things that my boss needs help with, that's another area that um, I've set goals for and that I measured on. Gotcha. So there's a lot of back, to, back and forth communication, but the cool thing I think about USAA that's not always applicable in the military is just because I have the same title as somebody else doesn't mean I have to have the exact same goals and I'm not measured exactly the same against my peer. I'm measured based on the goals that me and my leader create for me. And that's really cool because it helps me develop in a way that I'm interested in developing right. and also in a way that is beneficial to the company, but to me as well. And yeah piece that I'm not as excited about to learn, they're okay with me branching out if that meets the goals of the organization as well. I assume you didn't know that before you went to work there, but maybe you did. Is that is that something that kind of you, you fell in, not fell into, but kind of managed along the way? I definitely uh, did not know that. And it was something that I was a little like fearful of like in the military you're told you know where the benchmarks you have to hit that things are pretty black and white um but here like i mentioned i was able to find like a niche for myself and say hey this is what i'm good at and this is what i can provide i'm not as interested in this piece is that okay and and it was and just having those open conversations with my boss about what they needed and what i could provide went a long way they were hard because I was afraid that, oh, gosh, they're going to fire me because I don't like coding. But it wasn't that at all. It was like, hey, OK, but if you could do this and this and this, that's 
you bring value to the table in other ways. And so I actually transitioned my job title even into a business strategy analyst, which is what I am currently, Mm -hmm. because I worked more on the strategy side than the Mm -hmm. operation side. And that was something that evolved. It, It wasn't something I went in knowing, but it was something that I became more interested as I got trained, as I became more familiar with the organization and our goals and something that I was better at and more excited to do. I think that that is the, (laughs) keep saying the hardest, one of the hardest things for military officers is they, we come from a world where it's just so regimented and so kind of conveyor belt, if you will. And I mean, there's just so much opportunity to forge your own path. Not, frankly, Stevie, I don't hear as much of that in your experience. I think you you had a lot more flexibility, autonomy to define the role. So I don't see it as much as that as more of what's next professionally. What's the promotion look like? It's just not all figured out. And I think I think at first it's really hard for junior military officers. Maybe you can speak to this. It's hard because you're like, when am I get you know, when am I gonna get promoted? What does it even look like? And no one's telling you. We're not there yet. As opposed to in the Air Force, you'd just be like, okay, I know in two years from now I'm going to promote to X, whatever it might be. Now, once that first promotion or first shift occurs, people are like, Okay, I got it. This is how it works. Now I can manage in that. But but I think it's challenging at first for people to navigate this whole unfamiliarity, uncertainty with the future thing. Was that a big deal for you? It it was. It was challenging because I wanted to be able to like go look up an AFI or some manual about like, these are the things that I have to have and the things I need to do to get to the next step. And then also seeing that there's people that are like the same level. It's not a rank structure and not understanding like how that works at the company was, it was a tough, like, I wanted to call everybody by their last names. And I wanted to know like, oh, this person's rank and what I needed to do to get to the next one. And it wasn't like that at all. But once I feel like I understood more about the goals of the company versus like the self-promotion, I let loose a little bit and I found ways that I could just help improve myself and improve my role. And then opportunities for advancement kind of came along. Um, I am technically still a senior role, but now I report up to um, an assistant vice president instead of a director. And I like the breadth of my, um, you know, knowledge has expanded, but also like the role itself, my responsibilities have grown. And a lot of that is just by taking initiative and not really looking for that next certain step, but finding ways that I can grow myself. I have applied for different um, opportunities and just a lot of that came as talking openly with my bosses on what I'm interested in, where I want to go. And it's kind of evolved from there. There wasn't a set path. And I kind of like that now that, right. Hey, I don't know if I want to be a business operations analyst forever. These are the things I'm interested in and they've helped 
find the opportunities to grow in those areas while still contributing to in the position that I have. The key, and I'd love, I hope, I hope those who are listening to this really take away from this, what you're saying, because really what you're saying is if you, or at least what I'm hearing is if you focus on the organization, not focus on yourself and self-promotion, those were your words, focus on the organization, do a great job, be a valued partner, take the initiative, find ways to make the organization better, right? I mean, the, the goal of USAA is profitability, just bluntly, revenue minus cost equals profit. Same with every other company in America. Not the same with the Air, Air Force or Army or Marine Corps or Navy or Coast Guard. Not the same. So kind of foundationally knowing that the mission is different allows freedom. That's what I hear in your voice, this freedom to say, okay, I don't have to worry about when am I going to get promoted? I have to worry more about how can I bring value? How can I pursue things that I'm interested in? And I really do think, and it's hard, all right, that is not the way of the military. So it's hard to break out of the mold initially, but boy, when you do, obviously, I, mean, I can just hear it in your voice. You're, you're into things that you like. You're, you're being, you're having open conversations with your boss, which allow you to do some of that. And so, you know, the question I was going to ask you is what's the biggest difference between the military and corporate America? Um, I hadn't even asked you that, but I feel like that maybe that's not the biggest, but that's certainly one of the biggest. Oh, absolutely. It's just having that autonomy to kind of decide what your path is going to look like. And I don't know. I, I think that was a really eye opener, really big eye opener for me, which was just like, I could go in and I could say, I like to do this. I don't like this as much. Let me find ways that I can provide value doing the things that I like. And mm -hmm. having that option alone was huge. It was a scary conversation for me at first. And just being open and honest with my bosses about like, hey, I love doing this. Can I do more of that instead of this? And they're like, hey, well, we need you to do a little bit of that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, great. And yeah. there's so many more opportunities out there if you just seek them out. And then you kind of find a little bit more about what you like. Also, I didn't, I didn't know exactly what it was I wanted to do. If you would have asked me, like, even a month before I got out of active duty, like, where are you going to be? Like, what are you going to be doing? I would have never in a million years said I'm going to be an operations analyst or a strategy analyst I didn't even know what that entailed but being here in that position and finding out what I'm good at what areas I enjoy and how I can still provide value and that are aligned with my company's goals it's been it's been really exciting and something that I didn't feel like I could do in the military so I get, I don't get the question often, but I get the idea behind the question often. Describe your best day at USAA. You know, you've been there now four years, something along those lines. What, what's been the very best day? Ooh, that is tough. But I think one, probably the best day for me was a planning conference, which sounds weird. It sounds boring, but we got to partner with our, our operations business partners and we got invited as analysts to see their um, planning process for the upcoming 
uh, fiscal year. And just having a seat at that table and knowing that the work that I was doing was impactful and the opinions that I had were valued, even just a year in at the company, it meant a lot. And then looking around the table and seeing such a diverse like team of people, it was really exciting. Um, it wasn't something that I was used to seeing like a lot of women in charge and aircraft maintenance or, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of diverse backgrounds and seeing that at the table and then having my opinion as a first year out of the military um, being valued and people asking, it was, it was really cool. And yeah. I mean, there was a lot of perks too, you know, at a, a cool conference at a cool hotel. And, right, right. But it, I don't know. I think for me, that was one of the, the best days to know that what I was doing was making a difference. And it was making a difference for military families, something which I've always been passionate about. And that kind of lends to USAA's mission and the company being a good fit for me. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna we're close to landing the plane here. You know, there's a lot of military officers listening who are either getting out of the military or thinking about getting out of the military. And so a lot of times it's it's good to hear retrospective advice, like, okay, so knowing what you know now, you know, here years down the road, if you, what would you give, what advice would you give yourself from like a week or maybe a month before you were to get out of the military. You're partnering with Cameron Brooks. You're like, okay, I better have some interviews. They're saying I'm going to have interviews, but there's no guarantees in life. And so you, I'm sure there was some nervousness. Like what kind of advice would you give yourself in terms of, all right, you're getting ready to get out of the military? Oh my goodness. Well, first I will say, trust the process. I had a very hard time just trusting that Cameron Brooks was going to choose companies that were a good fit for me or that things that I would be successful in doing. I was very hesitant to move outside of like this little radius that I decided was going to be good for me. And that was mostly in New Mexico and Colorado. And I went in really hesitant into the conference, really hesitant about, Hey, this isn't going to work. And I don't know what I'm doing here. And just trusting that, hey, you guys have been doing this a long time and you've seen a lot of skills that are transferable and then just doing what you do best and being able to tell the story and connect what you do in the military, things that you're passionate about. There's connections everywhere. And vocalizing that and being able to communicate openly and being open to an opportunity that might be outside of what you believe is good for you. I am so thankful that I chose to come to USAA or that I had the opportunity to even meet with them and get my foot in that door. Um, it's been so great for me and my family, but I was really skeptical about the whole process at first. So just trusting the process and doing what you do best, like worst case is you turn down an offer and you keep looking, but the opportunity to be there and meet with all of these great companies and, you know, going on second interviews and 
really putting yourself in those shoes and walking the halls, so to speak, I, I'm forever grateful for that opportunity because it's really opened my eyes to corporate America, but also like being fulfilled in what I do every day while still, um, you know, being able to grow in a career. And that was something that I really wanted to, to get out of the military, but I still wanted to be able to make a difference and have growth and career opportunities. And Mm -hmm. all of that has happened because I trusted the process, however hesitant I was about it. Right. You know, one of the things you're describing too, like maybe you could comment on this because I think that there's a perception. I probably even had this perception myself that, that the companies there were going to be difficult and they were going to try to get you with these hard questions. And it was going to be like these kind of grueling, you know, and the Navy calls them murder board sessions. But I know that's not your experience. Maybe you did have one of those at the conference. Maybe, probably I had not. One. I you had did? One. Okay. Okay. But that's it. I had, I think I had 13 or 14 interviews and most of them, the large majority, it was, it was very conversational. And a lot of it was just connecting my experiences to kind of what they're looking for. And I was expecting, yes, I was expecting very much like a drill, like throwing questions at you. I had one that was a little bit like that. Mm. It wasn't a great (laughs) fit for me, but by and large, my interviews were more conversational in nature, and it was more about finding the fit, I felt, than it was like what your technical experiences were. Right. And that's kind of, again, what led me back to USAA. I loved, I loved my conversations with USAA, and once I got there, they were like, hey, we can train you on all this. We don't expect you to be an insurance professional, you know? but you can speak well, you can communicate, you're open and you seem fun to work with and you've got a good, you know, head on your shoulders and you're driven. You have skills that we could use to mold you into what we need. Yeah. So good. Um, Last thing, and this is a question I do get all the time, any books, any podcasts, any uh, blogs, anything that you think that uh, JMO should be listening to right now or reading right now? So I thought the PCS to Corporate America was a great read. It yes. I've actually lent it out to friends who have um, been interested in the transition themselves. I thought it was very applicable in ways that I never thought about. You think, okay, I know what corporate America is, mm. but the skills and just the scenarios that you might encounter, I thought that book was super helpful. Um, I also liked The Goal. Um, that book, there's always an interview question about process improvement or tell me about a time when you you know, took something from one and improved it. Yeah. I thought the goal always a great conversational piece about understanding ways that you can improve processes. Um, Those, those two really stick out in my mind from the readings there. And professionally, I feel like they've helped as I've moved forward to, you know, if nothing else reference back to. Yeah. Sounds great. Stevie, it's been a real pleasure 
I love hearing stories and I love hearing your story. You, and you know, the, the fun thing about these podcasts is they like, they're never two are never the same. I mean, we do hear trends, trust the process. I think I was saying trust the process. So I do think that's a resounding theme because it's so difficult, but you know, we got into this idea of managing your career and pursuing things like it's, it's unique. And I really appreciate you uh, kind of opening up and sharing with us. I know that the people that listen to this podcast and there are a fair amount who listen on a regular basis are going to, uh, are going to value and benefit from your experience. So thank you for taking some time out. Yes, thank you. I hope it's helpful to at least one person because it really was the best decision. And I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you. (laughs) I, I had a lot of reservations. And again, I was living in my hometown and I had connections there, jobs I could maybe do. But for what I was looking for and what I needed without even knowing what I needed, um, I got that with the help of Cameron Brooks. So I, I hope that people can really take the leap, trust the process, and hopefully they'll be where I'm at in a few years and happy and fulfilled and still growing in a career that they enjoy. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Appreciate you hanging in. Hopefully Stevie said some things that are valuable to you that you can start thinking about and working on as it relates to where you are professionally and where you're headed. Uh, Stay tuned in two weeks. My colleague Joel Junker is going to do an episode on business reading and why it's so important and how you can really use it to accelerate your potential through the transition process. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, have a great day.